Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes. At the time of recording, it is Wednesday, January 3rd, 11.13 p.m. My name is Josh Molnax. On today's pod, Keisei Tominaga, a brilliant night at Pinnacle Bank. Seton Hall has two of the best wins in the Big East Conference schedule thus far, and Miami goes nuclear offensively in the second half against Clemson. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me. Josh, it's a, a couple things. One, when you put up 60 points in one half, it's going to be difficult to lose. And when Norchad Omieri, Matthew Cleveland, and Nigel Pack combined for nearly 70 points, nearly 75 points, uh, you're also going to have a hard time losing. And that's exactly what happened for the Hurricanes tonight. It's a good effort in the first half by Clemson. They scored 41 mm-hmm. points. It was looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then that thing happens that sometimes occurs where Miami, yeah, to steal your phrase, goes nuclear. And there's just really nothing you can do about it. I mean, Pack and Cleveland basically just couldn't miss. No Chad Omer was doing his thing too. And so you score 95 points with five players because Wuga Poplar's not there. Mm-hmm. So Keyshawn George continues to get starts, continues to play well. And it's your five starters that combine for every single one of your points. I, if you're Brad Brown now, I just don't think you can get too concerned about this. It happens. This is what this team can do. This is why they can make a final four if the timing is right. And they were able to do it without Wuga Poplar, which is impressive. And an important win to continue making themselves a threat at the top of the the ACC, even if you and I aren't necessarily convinced they're going to stay there the rest of the way. Yeah, this is what the the people who told me that they were going to be able to make up for losing Isaiah Wong and and Jordan Miller after last year, the people who told told us that, this is what they were envisioning, right? Like you mentioned, Wuga Poplar is shooting, like is one of the best three-point shooters in the entire country so far this year so to go you know go 11 of 24 from the three-point line to shoot 53 percent as a team uh and then in theory you add wuga poplar on top of that this is the type of this is the type of night that you're reminded okay this is why a year ago miami made it to a final four because this is the kind of thing that they can do and if you get the right three weekends in a row like nobody should be that surprised if we get a a Miami in the elite eight again, not necessarily because they're one of the eight best best teams in the country, but if they get a a stretch that is even comparable to what we saw tonight, then they can absolutely beat any team in the country. Yeah. Incredibly high ceiling. The question is not the offense, even with all the firepower they lost. The question Mm -hmm. is whether they can guard people and whether they can produce offensively the way they need to to outscore opponents because of their defensive deficiencies yeah 95 points is going to get that job done at home most certainly most certainly um the depth will is an issue even even with wuga poplar there's definitely some depth issues they're just inside the top 300 in bench minutes in the country this year 
and you know that's probably at one point or another going to be an issue just not getting anything from from the bench but especially Bensley Joseph and especially in the second half uh was an energizer buddy glue guy you know made some plays some nice passes in transition so while while yes Miami's depth is a question at the same time uh, they had a very important piece of their offense uh, not be there for this game, and and you've seen that with with Nigel Pack as well. And they've had some guys uh, step up at the same. So both can be true, but um, but they've definitely had uh, some guys step up in a big way over the last you know couple weeks. That was going to be my final point. Is right. They have six guys you can trust mm-hmm. that are consistently delivering. The problem is they haven't had all six of them available recently. And it hasn't really mattered because the Bensley Josephs and Keyshawn Georges mm-hmm. have been very good in expanded roles. And the stars have been able to compensate for not having a Nigel Packer in today's case, a Wuga Poplar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The question is, can you get it past six? But from a development standpoint, it's good to have these kind of minutes and this kind of responsibility on those fifth and sixth guys when you know what you've got from the other four but they haven't always been there this season. And so you're, you're now a very, very, very good six mm-hmm. question is whether you can get beyond that and whether it's going to ultimately come back to cost you in a big way. Also this evening, scene hall, just doing it again. Why not? Uh scene hall team that is now nine and five on the season, but they are two and one in the big East uh, and sandwiched in between a 20 point loss to Xavier they have a 15-point win at home over UConn and tonight a four-point win over Providence, 61-57. to four, uh, This is another team that got no bench points on this particular night, but four of the five starters in double figures. Um, the, the, the offensive production was even more unbalanced across the Friars. Uh, the Friars slate, Bryce Hopkins struggles five points, one of seven from the field. And Seton Hall, two and one uh, in their first three Big East games. And that's that's with Providence on the road and UConn on the schedule. Pretty impressive from uh, from the Pirates. Yeah, you got two things going on here. Seton Hall, yeah, it's two really, really good wins that put you into the NCAA tournament conversation. They don't have any awful losses. They have some not great losses, but nothing horrendous. It's losses to Xavier and Iowa. But you also can't be going to lose to Xavier by 20 in between these wins if they're going to pick up enough Big East wins to really get in the tournament conversation. It's Mm got to be more consistent. Mm -hmm. They've got the the quality wins are there. Now you got to start winning more of those kind of 50-50 games, if you will, against the Xavier's of the world win some road games, things like that, but mm-hmm. a very good win. And uh, the biggest story coming out of this game is, is Bryce Hopkins. I haven't seen too much. I don't think Providence really knows how severe that injury is. That did not yeah. look good. Mm-hmm. And if that's a long-term absence, if that's a season ending injury, it's a very different conversation for this Providence team that you and I are both pretty high on at least high on what Kim English is doing mm-hmm. and you're, you're not winning that game when Bryce Hopkins gets hurt and Devin Carter goes 4-13 I mean Joshua Duro did everything he could 
but you this team is built around those two guys and for a variety of reasons they just were not delivering the way they needed to in this game so Seton Hall was able to keep it in that 60 or so range they do have some offensive weapons especially the guard position they defended really well and yeah I got to see if they can actually pick up a string of wins but you can't argue with the quality of the, the wins that they've got here early in Big East play. Yeah, there are some teams that are on the bubble because they beat a bunch of teams they're either on the same level as and the teams they're better than, but don't beat any of the teams that actually help kind of lay the foundation for a resume. And then there's a, a team like Seton Hall who would, you know, presumably, and I'm not going to act like I'm paying close attention to bracketology uh, on January 3rd, but they have the wins on the high side of things over the last, you know, 14 days or so to to start to be the foundation of an at-large resume. Uh, but then it's just about getting it's just about getting enough wins alongside of those other wins to to get enough. Because like you said, they're they're they've only lost to high major opponents. Granted, losing to USC on November 23rd, probably you're probably a little frustrated that that loss is yep. as uninspiring as it is at this point. Um, Iowa isn't great. You know, you, you have a, a loss to Baylor, a loss at home to Rutgers, which ultimately probably won't be that great. But so nothing, tr- nothing tragic, nothing that's uh, like com- like entirely detrimental. But uh, uh, four or five losses there that. If you just have two of them, then you're if if you turn two of them into wins, then you're in a much much stronger. Place. Yes, it's they're not bad losses per se, but they're also not quality losses. They're survivable if you win enough games, but yeah, yeah, you can't keep doing that all year. You're just not going to win enough. At Pinnacle Bank Arena, aka Kase Tominaga Court, <laughs> Nebraska. 86 70 i got two things for you one that guy is electric that guy that guy wears number 30 and is the closest thing to how steph curry plays that guy never <laughs> that that guy never stops moving that in the college game i mean that guy never stops moving when that guy makes two threes he's gonna shoot threes three four and five and he's gonna hype up the crowd he's an absolute like he's an absolute blast to watch he finished with 28 points um on 9 of 15 shooting 40% from the three point line that's number 1 and number 2 Josh uh, Nebraska might just be fun they might just be like solid end of discussion and we'll see how this kind of carries on as we get deeper into Big 10 play um their two losses this season are to Creighton, a game that was not close for a single second, uh, on the road at Minnesota, who's probably a little better than people think they are this year. Uh, but otherwise, they have wins against Michigan State. They have wins against Kansas State. Um, they have another win against Oregon State. That's not awesome, but another high major win. Uh, a win here against Indiana. They're 2-1, and one, now 52nd at Kempom, and that is way higher than we've seen a Nebraska team anytime recently the great compliment you can give this team at this point. They are beating the teams they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And they have the wins to show it. Right? They're already up in double digits. They are... I I came into this game going, Nebraska should win this game. And they did exactly that. Mm -hmm. That is... Like you said, that is something 
you don't associate with this Nebraska program, even under Fred Hoiberg, as many times as I've wanted to hope and believe that they're going to get to that point. Yeah. We are here. Now, the next part of this is, can you do something more than beating average Big Ten teams at home or beating Big Ten teams at home? Because they did beat Michigan State for however you want to feel about that at this moment in time. Here's what's next. At Wisconsin versus Purdue, at Iowa, at Rutgers versus Northwestern versus Ohio State. Those are some winnable home games, but also games you could easily see them losing. And that's three different difficult road games. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn an awful lot about this team in the next month or so. Because they are good. The question is, how good are they? Can they either win all of those 50-50 games, kind of the the middle of the Big Ten, and avoid the bad losses to just stack up enough wins to get into the NCAA tournament conversation? Or mm-hmm. can they pick up a couple signature wins that allows them to have a couple slip-ups? They haven't done anything to hurt themselves yet. They also haven't made a huge statement where you go, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. But they're giving themselves the opportunity, and that is a lot more than you could say in years past. Yeah, right now in conference play, they're sixth in offense and sixth in defense. That's um, if you if if that's where you end up, and you end up as sixth in the Big Ten standings, that's probably an NCAA tournament berth. Yeah, you're right there in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's a that's a fun place for for Fred Hoiberg's team to be, especially in a place like Nebraska, where the the support for that athletic department never wavers both on the administrative side but also just the 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 fan like that building was packed and now i'm sure part of it is because a they were 12 and 2 11 and 2 entering the game um fun to go see them play another midwest team in indiana but that's a that's a program that when they're good it's it's you can feel the energy in that building because people who who root for nebraska are um are diehards for for sure on the other side of things Indiana, 70 points. I'm kind of surprised that they even got to that number. Um, Kellaware and Malik Renew were were pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Kellaware, 20 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, two blocks, two steals. Malik Renew might be the best three-point shooter on this team. No um, kidding. <laughs> which is not which is not like a good, which is not a good thing. It's probably Trey Galloway, but uh, even on a night where they were actually nine of 18 from yeah. the three point line um, nights on when Indiana goes nine of 18 from the three point line, losing by 16 is, is not an, an awesome sight. The thing that really stuck out to me more than anything else here is just, it felt like their, their entire perimeter play just disappeared for a massive chunk of the second half. And at one point, Trey Galloway knocked down the three and I was like, Oh, right. Someone else is on the floor for Indiana, not named Kella Ware or Malik Renew. And that kind of feels like uh, a little bit of the story here. Um, and they they just weren't super competitive at any point in the second half. Yeah. The good news was the really good shooting performance mm-hmm. that hopefully you can carry over because that has been an issue time and time again with this team. Hopefully this gives you some confidence. The bad was... They just kept throwing the basketball away. Yeah, and they're they're dead a, last now in the in the conference and uh, turnover rate. Yeah, dead last. Yeah, it just wasn't good enough on the perimeter. You talked about what the bigs did. That yeah, it's just not it's not good enough to beat Nebraska when Nebraska is at home right now, which is mm. both a compliment to Nebraska and a commentary on where Indiana is. 
but that, that ultimately, I was not surprised at all by this result. So congratulations, Fred Hoiberg, Kisei Tominaga, and Nebraska. That was really fun to see. Excited to see what they can do moving forward here. They're at least garnering attention, which is cool to see. Um, IU is now 93rd at Kempom. They haven't finished that low at Kempom since uh, 2009 and 10, both of those years, where uh, in across those two years, they were 16 and 46. Both of those teams finished uh, basically in the 200 area at Kempom. Uh, this team's not as bad as that one, but um, not, not anywhere close. But 10 and 4, 93rd at Kempom, you know, keeping company like Boston College, George Mason, UNLV, and, and App State. So um, we we pinpointed this early in the season, or before the year started, that life after Trace Jackson Davis will be harder than anybody realizes it's going to be. And I think, you know, you've had some, some moments of like, uh, Kansas at home, maybe. Um, but it's been a lot more of just being outclassed by other high major teams for, for IU this year. Yeah. Especially the better ones they've played. Yeah. Yeah. Seems that way. We'll see how the rest of IU's schedule go. They have a game against Ohio state and Ohio state team. That's playing really well. 31st at Kempom there. Um, they get them at Simon Scott Assembly Hall on January 6th. So we'll see, uh, where IU goes from here. Josh, anything else? I was going to give a big round of applause to Notre Dame and then Notre Dame didn't win. Mm. It was going to be two ACC wins in a row for those guys. It's going to be a rough season. It's been a rough season. And ultimately they come up short after doing an incomprehensibly good job beating Virginia. So Virginia losing by 22 to Notre Dame might be the worst like high major v high yes. major loss this season, right? At least of teams in the national conversation, top 25 might be a factor in the high major sure. conference tournament. Yeah, relative battles. to yeah. 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 Interesting. Very, very interesting. I think that's about it. I think that's about it for the under eight podcast for Wednesday. January 3rd. It is 11.31 p.m. We'll be back tomorrow night for the final show of the week. Uh, until then, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Very much appreciate that as always. Thank you so much for being here and we will see you tomorrow night.